This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Ologies is a show that I hadn't heard of before, but lots of people keep mentioning it to me when I ask them what podcast they're enjoying. It's a popular science show hosted by writer and TV host Ali Ward, and each episode takes a different ology, finds a passionate ologist who loves doing it, and then asks them loads of questions. Ali's really enthusiastic, it's accessible, irreverent, and some of the guests are terrific. Ologies is certainly a science show with a sense of humour. I've enjoyed recent episodes on areology, that's the study of the planet Mars, and dendrology, or the study of trees. This one's all about moths and butterflies, or lepidopterology, and it features Phil Torres, who's a well-travelled TV host and lepidopterologist. So I know what a butterfly looks like, but what's the difference between a butterfly and a moth? What's the difference between a butterfly and another winged insect? What are we? What makes it a lepidopterology? So lepidoptera translates as like scaly wing. Okay. So that's one of the number one things. You look at those wings and they're covered in little tiny scales and that's how they get their color. Oh. And that color can be really brilliant and colorful or it can be drab and brown and it kind of depends on the thing. So butterflies get a lot of the glory because we see them more often because they're diurnal. Wait, what is that word again? Diurnal. FYI, I avoid this word a lot because I'm afraid of saying it wrong. And also it sounds like a pee toilet, but it just means not nocturnal. So butterflies awake during the day, which is more than I can say for myself sometimes. Mm-hmm. And they're just prettier. But really, butterflies are a type of day-flying moth. That's so weird. So when we look at the family tree, there's like moth, 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 butterfly, moth, moth, moth. And... They're kind of considered and, and, you know, amongst most people as like butterflies on the left and moths on the right. <laughs> but really, it's this branch of moths that evolved into this super family, Papillionoidea, that has really done well during the day. Diurnal. And it, that's why it has all these bright colors because those colors help it camouflage or uh, identify a mate or to show that it's poisonous. If it has like bright orange and yellow and black colors or to mimic something that is poisonous. And it's, they're great. So to tell the difference between moth and butterfly, color is one thing. Also look at the way they rest. So a moth generally has its wings folded down. When it's resting. And a butterfly generally has its wings folded up, tucked behind it when it's resting. All right. So it's like a stealth fighter versus a sailboat? Yes. Okay. That is great. I'm going to use that. You are welcome. Please cite me in all of your papers. You got it. (laughs) So butterflies are, are up. Typically, typically. There are some that break the rules. Uh, The rule that basically is never broken is looking at the antenna. Okay. So a butterfly, imagine, you know, you have these two long stalks at the top or two long 
you know, things sticking out. And then at the very end, it gets a little thick, a little club. If it's got like a club at the end, you were talking about a butterfly here. If it's straight or feathery, we're talking about a moth. Okay. And do they have wildly different eyesight or wildly different like olfactory senses? Uh, eyesight for sure. Butterflies, fly, anything that's flying by day. There are moths that fly by day as well. They're going to be very visual. So they're looking for brightly colored flowers that are telling them, hey, we've got some nectar for you. They're looking for conspecifics, others of the same species to figure out if they want to mate or chase them out of their territory. Um, they're looking for predators flying around. They have pretty decent vision to look for anything swooping at them. And you learn that when you're trying to catch them with a butterfly net. They're very tricky sometimes. Is and that good exercise? To have it a is. Butterfly it is very good exercise. Yes, it's the real jungle gym when you're out ah. there in the rainforest and you're swinging these things. It's tricky. Some species are way easier to catch, and they're kind of low flying and and just flopping around. And then others are just they're like jet fighters. They're really tough, really agile, and they're really tricky. Which is why sometimes bait traps do the trick. Oh. Because I've seen a video of you in your YouTube series, The Jungle Diaries, where you have the world's longest butterfly net. Oh, yeah. How long is it and how heavy is that? Because you've got to get up in the canopy, right? Yes. I was working with my friend, Dr. Susan Finkbeiner. Phil and Dr. Finkbeiner went to Cornell together, and she's now one of the top butterfly researchers ever in the world. She's super tough. She works deep in the jungle, and she uses... This is... Nuts. The longest butterfly net available, possibly on the open market, to catch butterflies in the rainforest canopy. It extends 35 feet. It's a 35 foot long net. I looked all over for it on the internet. I couldn't even find one to see how much they cost. I think she had to build it herself. Anyway, Phil was like, I'm a buff dude. I can do that also. No, this was not his verbatim thoughts. I just editorialized them. Anyway, he was like, I got this. Teach me how to use it. I'm going to look just like you. It didn't pan out that way. We have to like hike up this crazy stream. And it, I mean, it was amazing place to work. Like that's her office every day. Pretty great. But then you open up the butterfly net and I couldn't even, I could barely hold the thing. It looks so heavy. It just keeps, it's like a clown car. You just keep yep. extending and extending. Like and it, extending it, my arm got tired. I was like, can we, is there like an, a button we can press that this thing happens? <laughs> and so, yeah, holding it, you have to kind of stabilize with your foot and then swinging it and swinging it accurately Ugh. was a whole nother level. But it was, it was a blast. And every time I do something like that, I'm like, this is such a fun job. Like, studying butterflies you just get to do these crazy things like swing 35 foot nets in the middle of the jungle but what about the bait traps if you're like my arm is too tired yeah i'm gonna put out a pile of dung and see what happens is that what happens because you mentioned they were smelly they are smelly so bait traps you get creative and so sometimes you will use a banana bait trap and this is pretty typical throughout the tropics you get bananas you add some water maybe some sugar maybe some beer and what? then you close it up and you let it ferment for a few days you open it up if it smells nice and ripe and like you don't want to be anywhere near it 
then you got some good bait and then you set it in a little cup and in this kind of like cylinder net thing at floating, you know, it'll be floating below the cylinder net thing. And so the butterfly feeds on the bait and then flies up. Oh. And when they fly up, they get caught in that net. Ah. So that's like the most PG-13 version of a butterfly bait. Okay. But then you get a little interesting and we will use rotten fish. So we will ferment like tuna cans and that was horrible. We will add human urine to it. Hell yeah. And that doesn't make it any better. And then you can also use, yeah, poop. Anything in particular? Generally carnivore poop. So if you're a vegan, I'm sorry, but your poop (laughs) probably won't cut it. If you are a carnivore, you have enough, you've got some like good sodium and maybe even some nitrogen they might be going for in there. Okay. And so I always joke that, I, I mean, seeing a jaguar in the wild is an amazing thing. And knowing that they're around, finding images of them on camera traps is great. But what I'm after is jaguar poop. Because when you find jaguar poop, you will see some of the rarest butterflies that generally are only found way up on the canopy. But they will come down to the ground to feed on that steamy pile of (laughs) of goods. And that's just it. There's all these rare resources out there. And so if you make a bait that smells like a rare resource like pea or uh, rotten fish or rotten fruit, then the butterflies will come. That's an episode of Ologies called Lepidopterology featuring Phil Torres and he was speaking to Ali Ward. 